have to struggle over the years to get Jesus' character, to develop Jesus' character. But the point is, my dear brethren, Jesus' character is divine. The human person had the divine character in him. And you don't struggle to get the divine character. Which human being, by struggling, can get the divine character? It's impossible. So we are showing you that the divine character of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. This is what we are showing you. Now let's just take a recap of what we spoke about last week. In other words, we show that we are saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also show that no scripture shows that the works that Jesus did 2,000 years ago is imputed to us for righteousness. No scripture shows that in the Bible. But scripture does show that faith is imputed unto us for righteousness or for the possession of righteousness. And then when we ask ourselves the question, what was faith? We saw that it was not believing, but that we must believe the faith of Jesus Christ so that we believe faith. Faith, therefore, is not believing but it is the revealed truths of the word of God. We found that out. The revealed truths of Jesus Christ, that is faith. That's why we found out that it is called the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. We also found out that that faith of Jesus Christ was identified by him as his personal character or his personal identity. When he said, I am the way, the truth, the same revealed truths of Jesus Christ. And we found out that that same truth of Jesus Christ is called the spirit of truth. Therefore, the spirit of truth literally is the divine truth of Jesus' character. Yes, my dear people. So the third person, the Holy Spirit, comes as the divine truth of the, the plan of salvation or divine faith called the spirit of faith in Corinthians or it is the divine character of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people, since the character, since the, the, the faith of Jesus Christ is, or the truth of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is divine, then therefore, these truths of the, the character of Christ is the divine truths of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So we are dealing with the divine character of Christ. This is what we touched yesterday. Now, th this is what we touched the other day. Now, proof that the plan of salvation which is the faith of Jesus Christ being Christ's personal, is, is Christ's personal character is seen in that Jesus takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation the resurrection and the life and identifies himself with them let me repeat again another proof of the plan of salvation which is the faith of Jesus Christ, being Christ's personal character, is seen in that he takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation, the resurrection, and the life, and identifies himself with it. Let's see Jesus doing that in John chapter 11, in verse 25. I quote, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. End of quote. Now how can we interpret this? Did Jesus say, I have the power to give resurrection? I have the power to give life? No. He was identifying himself, who he was. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. 
what Jesus is saying here. He's identifying himself with these truths of the plan of salvation. This clearly shows that his, his identity, his identity is the truth of the plan of salvation. These truths, the revealed truths of the plan of salvation is what you call the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So the faith of Jesus Christ is none other than the divine truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation. Thus, my dear people, when we are told that the faith of Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the divine character of Christ that is imputed to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 5, and verse 9 again. It tells us, I quote, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 9. Commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness or into the possession of righteousness. And the word reckoned there is counted or imputed. Same Greek word. So we see here this faith that is imputed unto us for righteousness. This is called the faith of Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.22, this is what we are told. Even the righteousness of God, which is but true faith of Jesus Christ into all and upon all them that believe, that there is no difference. So we see it is the faith of Jesus Christ, the divine character of Christ, that therefore is imputed to us. And if you look at, compare this with 2 Corinthians, then we look at chapter 4 and verse 6. This is what we are told. I quote, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. End of quote. Now let's just see what the scripture is telling us. In other words, we are being told the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. But we are being told, God who commanded light to sh shine out of darkness, he shine in our hearts. How? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ is used as his identity. Because when you see a person's face, you know who they are. So the face of Jesus Christ is his is, is identity. The knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ which is the knowledge of the glory of God, is seen in the identity of Christ. So the identity of Christ, which is his divine character, gives us a knowledge of the glory of God. Yes, my dear people. So we gain a knowledge of God when we gain a knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. Because the knowledge of God is revealed to us in the knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. And so <coughs> we are seeing here that God gives us this knowledge according to the scripture we just um, read here. So when the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the knowledge of God that is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. It is the knowledge of God that is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. And now, this is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. This is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Let, let us see, which is the same faith of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 17, this is what we are told. That Christ may dwell in your hearts 
through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here we see how does Christ dwell in our heart? Through the faith of Jesus Christ. So the faith of Jesus Christ dwelling in us literally is Christ dwelling in us. Yes, my dear people. And so when God gives this knowledge to us, he gives this faith to us. Yes, my dear people. If we look at Second John verse 9, this is what we are told. It says this, Whosoever transgressed and abided not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abided in the doctrine of Christ, he had both the Father and the Son. What does this mean? It means the doctrine of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is the revealed truth of the plan of salvation, which is the divine character of Christ. This has the knowledge of God in it, and this is what is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. So when God imputes the knowledge of Christ to us or the revealed truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, he is in fact imputing the divine character of Christ to us. Yes, my dear people. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We will look at verse 17 to verse 21. Why? Because this will show us that imputed in the Bible doesn't mean an as-if imputation, which is paganism, and which is what evangelicals and other religions teach. The, the, the imputation in the Bible is called creative imputation. It is an imputation that creates something because it is God creating something or giving something in us. So when God imputes faith, the faith of Jesus Christ to us for righteousness, God creates the faith of Jesus Christ into us for righteousness through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. Now, many religions teach imputation as an as-if imputation, meaning God imputes something to you, but you don't have it. Like, for instance, evangelicals will tell us that God imputes the works, the righteous works of Christ to us, but it is in books in heaven. So, in other words, it is credited to us. It is as if we have it, but we don't really actually have it. That's not the use of the word imputation in the Bible. Let's see how imputation is used in the Bible that we will know when God imputes the character of Christ to us, what that imputation means. In Romans chapter 4, 17 to 21, this is what we are told. Pay careful attention, it told. As we are told, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were notice we are told he quickened the dead in other words he gives life to the dead and called those things which be not as though they were so here the thing is not this way, this, this way and he calls it as if it is so and this is quickening the dead let's see it tells us furthermore who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall I see be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God now here comes the path and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness so in other words Abraham didn't consider that he was so old 
He didn't consider that, it, that Cyrus' womb was dead. He just um, had in his mind what God said he would do, he was able to perform it. Yes, my dear people. So if God said that Sarah was going to have a child, this means to say God was able to perform it, was able to make her womb alive. And so this is why we are being told here that when God quickened the dead, he counted those things which were not as though they were. So in other words, Sarah's womb was dead, but God counted that womb as alive when it wasn't alive. And that was quickening the dead. In other words, that was making it alive. So God was able to perform that which he had promised. Make the woman's womb come alive that she can have Isaac, which was promised to her. And this is the way the Bible describes imputation in Romans 4. Romans 4, let's read it all over again, 17 to 21. This is what we are told, I quote, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. So Cyrus was dead and God called it alive even though it wasn't alive. And what happened? He quickened the dead, he made it become alive. And then we are told that in verse 20, in verse 21, he, and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able to perform. So God had promised that, that Sarah would have a child, and he was able to perform it. How did he perform it? He made her womb come alive that she could have gotten pregnated by Abraham. And so what we are being told here is that the kind of imputation that God did there is not just count Sarah's womb alive, but created that womb alive. He made the dead alive. He was able to perform that which he said he was going to do. And so, imputation is creative imputation, not an as-if imputation. He didn't come as if her womb was alive, and yet it is not alive. But it is a creative imputation. When he counts it as if, as if it is alive, it is made alive, yes, my dear people, so that she could have made the child. And so when God imputes the divine character of Christ to us, thus when God imputes this divine character of Christ to the repentant, it is God given by esteeming the divine character, the plan of salvation, to the person that he now has Christ dwelling within him. Yes, my dear people. So that when God imputes the divine character of Christ to you, he literally gives you or creates in you the divine character of Christ. Yes, my dear people. So that you have the divine character of Christ in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7, this is what we are told again. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, which we showed as the identity of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is our bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. End of quote. Did you see that, my dear brethren? So we have that very treasure, the character of Christ, 
that knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus, which is the identity of Jesus, in us, in our earthen clay, clay bodies, that the excellency and the power and the glory may be of God and not of us. Yes, my dear people. In, Col in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 16, comparing scriptures, this is what we are told. I quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. End of quote. Did you see that? So we may be speaking psalms or hymns and spiritual songs or preaching to one another, but it is the word of Christ that must dwell in us. That word of Christ is the truth of Jesus Christ that is imputed to us or given to us by God counting it to us. It is created in us. It is the character of Christ in us. Yes, my dear people. So whereas the scripture tells us we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ, Let's see where we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Ephesians 2.12, I quote, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the citizenship of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is how we was. We asked, this is how we was. Now when we have the spirit of truth and Christ, now we have the spirit of truth and Christ dwelling in us. The Spirit is truth, and Christ dwells in us by the Spirit, brethren. Thus it is the truth of Christ, his divine character, that dwells in us. Yes, my dear people, if we look at First John, um, uh, uh, John chapter 5 and verse 6, here we are told again, it says this, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bear it witness, because the Spirit is truth. So here we see that the Spirit is truth. Now when we turn to Romans chapter 8, and we look at verse 9, verses 9 to 11, we will see that this Spirit of truth is the Spirit of Christ, and it dwells in us. So that Christ dwells in us through the Spirit of truth. And that Christ dwelling in us is not the body of Christ, not the works of Christ 2,000 years old. It is the divine character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, Christ's character. So to preach Christ is to preach the truths of Christ. Yes, my dear people, let's see Christ dwelling in us. Romans chapter 8, 9 to 11, I quote, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Notice it is called the spirit of God. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we see the spirit of God is the spirit of Christ. It says here, and if Christ be in you, so we see the Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. End of quote. So the bottom line is, my dear people, that the truths of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is his identity, is the same spirit of truth or the spirit of Christ. And this is imputed or given to us through the Holy Spirit being given to dwell in us. 
so that we actually have the character of Christ, the truth of Christ dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. And so the character of Christ is imputed to us to dwell in us. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices, my dear people. Let me repeat. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices against sin and a moral choice in favor of the claims of God. This is how we keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. So in other words, with the divine character of Christ in us, we can now make moral choices to obey the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, here is what we are told. It says this, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he, Christ, in him. And hereby we know that he abided in us by the spirit which he had given us. End of quote. So he gives us his Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit, or the character of Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We are now able to keep the character of Christ in us, and we are now able to keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. We also look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. We are told, No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. And so, end of quote, and so God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And we know that he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, my dear people, because the spirit of truth dwells in us, the spirit of truth, the truth of the plan of salvation. So, in other words, call us at 6250446, 6250446, and we will give you further information. But in the, in, in the conclusion of this study, what do we see? We see that the character of Christ is the faith of Jesus Christ. It is the revealed truth of Christ, the plan of salvation. This character of Christ, the divine character of Christ, dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. It is imputed to us when we repent and believe the gospel. When we repent and believe the gospel or the truths of Jesus Christ, God counts or imputes or esteems in a creative imputation this divine character in us through the Holy Spirit. And now we have this divine character in us. We're able to fulfill the commandments of God or keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people, this is how God wants us to do it. We must never forget this. So, the bottom line is, to be a Christian, you've got to have the character of Christ in you. This is how the character of Christ comes to dwell in us. This is the mystery of salvation. This is what was hid from the foundation of the world. And this is what God wants. He wants the character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, to dwell in us. This literally is fulfilled now as Christians. And so, God wants us to have the plan of salvation, the divine character of Christ dwelling in us. So, in, in closing, what do we say? We say this, my dear people. There are a lot of religions out there that claim that they're following God and they're righteous and all these sort of things. You've got to understand the mysteries of salvation. 
you've got to understand the plan of salvation. This, what we have studied, may be a bit difficult for you to understand. But if you take time and study a Bible, the Holy Spirit will gi like guide you into all truth and show you them. And you will know the truthfulness of what we are saying. In all these religions that claim to be following the truth, if they don't have the truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, then, my dear people, they do not have God. And if they do not have God, they do not have salvation. What does that say for a Muslim? What does that say for a Hindu? What does that say for a Buddhist? What does that say for a Catholic? It says that they need to really go back to the Bible and get to know the real truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, that the character of Christ may be imputed to them, that they may be saved, having that divine character dwelling in them and determining their obedience to the law of God. May God add his mercy to you. Until we meet again, call us at 6250446 for further information. And may God bless you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' holy name, amen. The judgment has set, the books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall weigh how shall we stand in that great day how shall we stand in that great day shall we be found before him wanting or with our sins all washed away. We have to struggle over the years to get Jesus' character, to develop Jesus' character. But the point is, my dear brethren, Jesus' character is divine. The human person had the divine character in him. And you don't struggle to get the divine character. Which human being, by struggling, can get the divine character? It's impossible. So we are showing you that the divine character of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. This is what we are showing you. Now let's just take a recap of what we spoke about last week. In other words, we show that we are saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also show that no scripture shows that the works that Jesus did 2,000 years ago is imputed to us for righteousness. No scripture shows that in the Bible. But scripture does show that faith is imputed unto us for righteousness or for the possession of righteousness. And then when we ask ourselves the question, what was faith? We saw that it was not believing, but that we must believe the faith of Jesus Christ so that we believe faith. Faith, therefore, is not believing but it is the revealed truths of the word of God. We found that out. The revealed truths of Jesus Christ, that is faith. That's why we found out that it is called the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. We also found out that that faith of Jesus Christ was identified by him as his personal character or his personal identity. When he said, I am the way, the truth, the same revealed truths of Jesus Christ. And we found out that that same truth of Jesus Christ is called the spirit of truth. Therefore, the spirit of truth literally is the divine truth of Jesus' character. Yes, my dear people. So the third person, the Holy Spirit, 
comes as the divine truth of the, the plan of salvation or divine faith called the spirit of faith in Corinthians or it is the divine character of Jesus Christ yes my dear people since the character since the, the, the faith of Jesus Christ is, or the truth of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is divine then therefore these truths of the, the character of Christ is the divine truths of Jesus Christ yes my dear people so we are dealing with the divine character of Christ this is what we touched yesterday now th this is what we touched the other day now proof that the plan of salvation which is the faith of Jesus Christ being Christ's personal is, is Christ's personal character is seen in that Jesus takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation the resurrection and the life and identifies himself with them let me repeat again another proof of the plan of salvation which is the faith of Jesus Christ being Christ's personal character is seen in that he takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation the resurrection and the life and identifies himself with it let's see Jesus doing that in John chapter 11 in verse 25 I quote Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live end of quote now how can we interpret this did Jesus say I have the power to give resurrection I have the power to give life no he was identifying himself who he was he says I am the resurrection I am the life I am the way I am the truth I am the life I am the resurrection what Jesus is saying here he's identifying himself with these truths of the plan of salvation this clearly shows that his, his identity his identity is the truth of the plan of salvation these truths the revealed truths of the plan of salvation is what you call the faith of Jesus Christ yes my dear people so the faith of Jesus Christ is none other than the divine truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation. Thus, my dear people, when we are told that the faith of Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the divine character of Christ that is imputed to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 5, and verse 9 again. It tells us, I quote, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 9. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, or into the possession of righteousness. And the word reckoned there is counted or imputed. Same Greek word. So we see here this faith that is imputed unto us for righteousness this is called the faith of jesus christ in romans 3 22 this is what we are told even the righteousness of god which is but true faith of jesus christ into all and upon all them that believe that there is no difference so we see it is the faith of jesus christ the divine character of christ that therefore is imputed to us and if you look at compare this with second corinthians then we look at chapter 4 
And verse 6, this is what we are told. I quote, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. End of quote. Now let's just see what the scripture is telling us. In other words, we are being told the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. But we are being told God who commanded light to sh shine out of darkness, he shine in our hearts. How? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in the face of Jesus Christ. The face of Jesus Christ is used as his identity. Because when you see a person's face, you know who they are. So the face of Jesus Christ is his is, is identity. The knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, which is the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the identity of Christ. So the identity of Christ, which is his divine character, gives us a knowledge of the glory of God. Yes, my dear people. So we gain a knowledge of God when we gain a knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. Because the knowledge of God is revealed to us in the knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. And so <coughs> we are seeing here that God gives us this knowledge according to the scripture we just um, read here. So when the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the knowledge of God that is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. It is the knowledge of God that is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. And now, this is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. This is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Let, let us see, which is the same faith of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 17, this is what we are told. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here we see, how does Christ dwell in our hearts? Through the faith of Jesus Christ. So the faith of Jesus Christ dwelling in us literally is Christ dwelling in us. Yes, my dear people. And so, when God gives this knowledge to us, he gives this faith to us. Yes, my dear people. If we look at Second John, verse 9, this is what we are told. It says this, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. What does this mean? It means the doctrine of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is the revealed truth of the plan of salvation, which is the divine character of Christ. This has the knowledge of God in it, and this is what is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. So when God imputes the knowledge of Christ to us or the revealed truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, he is in fact imputing the divine character of Christ to us. Yes, my dear people. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We will look at verse 17 to verse 21. Why? Because this will show us that imputed in the Bible doesn't mean an as-if imputation, which is paganism, or which is what evangelicals and other religions teach. The, the, the imputation in the Bible is called creative imputation. It is an imputation that creates something because it is God creating something or giving something in us. So when God imputes faith, the faith of Jesus Christ to us for righteousness, God creates the faith of Jesus Christ into us 
for righteousness through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. Now, many religions teach imputation as an as-if imputation, meaning God imputes something to you, but you don't have it. Like, for instance, evangelicals will tell us that God imputes the works, the righteous works of Christ to us, but it is in books in heaven. So, in other words, it is credited to us. It is as if we have it, but we don't really actually have it. That's not the use of the word imputation in the Bible. Let's see how imputation is used in the Bible that we will know when God imputes the character of Christ was, what that imputation means. In Romans chapter 4, 17 to 21, this is what we are told. Pay careful attention, it told. As we are told, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. Notice we are told he quickened the dead. In other words, he gives life to the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. So here the thing is not this, this, this way and he calls it as if it is so and this is quickening the dead. Let's see. It tells us furthermore. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall I see be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now here comes the part. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness so in other words Abraham didn't consider that he was so old he didn't consider that it, that Sarah's womb was dead he just um, had in his mind what God said he would do he was able to perform it yes my dear people so if God said that Sarah was going to have a child this means to say God was able to perform it. He was able to make her womb alive. And so, this is why we are being told here that when God quickened the dead, he counted those things which were not as though they were. So, in other words, Sarah's womb was dead. But God counted that womb as alive when it wasn't alive. And that was quickening the dead. In other words, that was making it alive. So God was able to perform that which he had promised. Make the woman's womb come alive that she can have Isaac, which was promised to her. And this is the way the Bible describes imputation in Romans 4. Romans 4, let's read it all over again, 17 to 21. This is what we are told, I quote, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. So Isaiah's womb was dead and God called it alive even though it wasn't alive. And what happened? He quickened the dead, he made it become alive. And then we are told that in verse 20, in verse 21, he, and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able to perform. So God had promised that, that Sarah would have a child, 
and he was able to perform it. How did he perform it? He made her womb come alive that she could have gotten pregnant by Abraham. And so, what we are being told here is that the kind of imputation that God did there is not just count Sarah's womb alive, but created that womb alive. He made the dead alive. He was able to perform that which he said he was going to do. And so, imputation is creative imputation, not an as-if imputation. He didn't come as if her womb was alive, and yet it is not alive. But it is a creative imputation. When he counts it as if, as if it is alive, it is made alive. Yes, my dear people. So that she could have made the child. And so when God imputes the divine character of Christ to us, thus when God imputes this divine character of Christ to the repentant, it is God given by esteeming the divine character, the plan of salvation to the person that he now has Christ dwelling within him. Yes, my dear people. So that when God imputes the divine character of Christ to you, he literally gives you or creates in you the divine character of Christ. Yes, my dear people. So that you have the divine character of Christ in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7, this is what we are told again. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, which we showed as the identity of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is our bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. End of quote. Did you see that, my dear brethren? So we have that very treasure, the character of Christ, that knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus, which is the identity of Jesus, in us, in our earthen clay, clay bodies, that the excellency and the power and the glory may be of God and not of us. Yes, my dear people. In, Col in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, comparing scriptures, this is what we are told. I quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. End of quote. Did you see that? So we may be speaking psalms or hymns and spiritual songs or preaching to one another, but it is the word of Christ that must dwell in us. That word of Christ is the truth of Jesus Christ that is imputed to us or given to us by God counting it to us. It is created in us. It is the character of Christ in us. Yes, my dear people. So whereas the scripture tells us we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Let's see where we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Ephesians 2.12, I quote, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the citizenship of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is how he was. We are. This is how he was. Now, when we have the Spirit of Truth and Christ, now we have the Spirit of Truth and Christ dwelling in us. The Spirit is truth, and Christ dwells in us by the Spirit, brethren. Thus, it is the truth of Christ, His divine character, that dwells in us. 
Yes, my dear people, if you look at First John, cha um, uh, uh, First John chapter 5 and verse 6, there we are told again, it says this, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bear witness because the spirit is truth. So here we see that the spirit is truth. Now when we turn to Romans chapter 8, and we look at verse 9, verses 9 to 11, we will see that this spirit of truth is the spirit of Christ, and it dwells in us. So that Christ dwells in us through the spirit of truth. And that Christ dwelling in us is not the body of Christ, not the works of Christ 2,000 years ago. It is the divine character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, Christ's character. So to preach Christ is to preach the truths of Christ. Yes, my dear people, let's see Christ dwelling in us. Romans chapter 8, 9 to 11, I quote, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Notice it is called the spirit of God. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we see the spirit of God is the spirit of Christ. It says here, and if Christ be in you, so we see the Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. End of quote. So the bottom line is, my dear people, that the truths of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is his identity, is the same spirit of truth or the spirit of Christ. And this is imputed or given to us through the Holy Spirit being given to dwell in us so that we actually have the character of Christ, the truths of Christ dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. And so the character of Christ is imputed to us to dwell in us. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices, my dear people. Let me repeat. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices against sin and a moral choice in favor of the claims of God. This is how we keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. So in other words, with the divine character of Christ in us, we can now make moral choices to obey the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, here is what we are told. It says this, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he, Christ, in him. And hereby we know that he abided in us by the spirit which he had given us. End of quote. So he gives us his Holy Spirit and Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit or the character of Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We are now able to keep the character of Christ in us and we are now able to keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. We also look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. We are told, No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. And so, end of quote. And so, 
God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And we know that he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, my dear people, because the spirit of truth dwells in us, the spirit of truth, the truths of the plan of salvation. So, in other words, call us at 6250446, 6250446, and we will give you further information. But in the, in, in the conclusion of this study, what do we see? We see that the character of Christ is the faith of Jesus Christ. It is the revealed truths of Christ, the plan of salvation. This character of Christ, the divine character of Christ, dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. It is imputed to us when we repent and believe the gospel. When we repent and believe the gospel or the truths of Jesus Christ, God counts or imputes or esteems in a creative imputation this divine character in us through the Holy Spirit. And now we have this divine character in us. We're able to fulfill the commandments of God or keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people, this is how God wants us to do it. We must never forget this. So, the bottom line is, to be a Christian, you've got to have the character of Christ in you. This is how the character of Christ comes to dwell in us. This is the mystery of salvation. This is what was hid from the foundation of the world. And this is what God wants. He wants the character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, to dwell in us. This literally is fulfilled now as Christians. And so, God wants us to have the plan of salvation, the divine character of Christ dwelling in us. So, in, in closing, what do we say? We say this, my dear people. There are a lot of religions out there that claim that they're following God and they're righteous and all these sort of things. You've got to understand the mysteries of salvation. You've got to understand the plan of salvation. This, what we have studied, may be a bit difficult for you to understand. But if you take time and study your Bible, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and show you them. And you will know the truthfulness of what we are saying. In all these religions that claim to be following the truth, if they don't have the truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, then, my dear people, they do not have God. And if they do not have God, they do not have salvation. What does that say for a Muslim? What does that say for a Hindu? What does that say for a Buddhist? What does that say for a Catholic? It says that they need to really go back to the Bible and get to know the real truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, that the character of Christ may be imputed to them, that they may be saved, having that divine character dwelling in them and determining their obedience to the law of God. May God add his mercy to you. Until we meet again, call us at 6250446 for further information. And may God bless you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' holy name, amen. The judgment has set, the books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall weigh how shall we stand in that great day how shall we stand in that great day shall we be found before him wanting, or with our sins all 
have to struggle over the years to get Jesus' character, to develop Jesus' character. But the point is, my dear brethren, Jesus' character is divine. The human person had the divine character in him. And you don't struggle to get the divine character. Which human being, by struggling, can get the divine character? It's impossible. So we are showing you that the divine character of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. This is what we are showing you. Now let's just take a recap of what we spoke about last week. In other words, we show that we are saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also show that no scripture shows that the works that Jesus did 2,000 years ago is imputed to us for righteousness. No scripture shows that in the Bible. But scripture does show that faith is imputed unto us for righteousness or for the possession of righteousness. And then when we ask ourselves the question, what was faith? We saw that it was not believing, but that we must believe the faith of Jesus Christ so that we believe faith. Faith, therefore, is not believing, but it is the revealed truths of the word of God. We found that out. The revealed truths of Jesus Christ, that is faith. That's why we found out that it is called the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. We also found out that that faith of Jesus Christ was identified by him as his personal character or his personal identity. When he said, I am the way, the truth, the same revealed truth of Jesus Christ. And we found out that that same truth of Jesus Christ is called the spirit of truth. Therefore, the spirit of truth literally is the divine truth of Jesus' character. Yes, my dear people. So the third person, the Holy Spirit, comes as the divine truth of the, the plan of salvation or divine faith, called the spirit of faith in Corinthians, or it is the divine character of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people, since the character, since the, the, the faith of Jesus Christ is, or the truth of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is divine, then therefore, these truths of the, the character of Christ is the divine truths of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So we are dealing with the divine character of Christ. This is what we touched yesterday. Now, th this is what we touched the other day. Now, proof that the plan of salvation, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, being Christ's personal, is, is Christ's personal character, is seen in that Jesus takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation, the resurrection, and the life, and identifies himself with them. Let me repeat again. Another proof of the plan of salvation, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, being Christ's personal character, is seen in that he takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation, the resurrection and the life and identifies himself with it. Let's see Jesus doing that in John chapter 11 in verse 25. I quote, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. End of quote. Now how can we interpret this? Did Jesus say, I have the power to give resurrection? I have the power to give life? No. He was identifying himself, who he was. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection. 
what Jesus is saying here. He's identifying himself with these truths of the plan of salvation. This clearly shows that his, his identity, his identity is the truth of the plan of salvation. These truths, the revealed truths of the plan of salvation is what you call the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So the faith of Jesus Christ is none other than the divine truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation. Thus, my dear people, when we are told that the faith of Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the divine character of Christ that is imputed to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 5, and verse 9 again. It tells us, I quote, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 9. Commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, or into the possession of righteousness. And the word reckoned there is counted or imputed. Same Greek word. So we see here this faith that is imputed unto us for righteousness. This is called the faith of Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.22, this is what we are told. Even the righteousness of God, which is but true faith of Jesus Christ into all and upon all them that believe, because there is no difference. So we see it is the faith of Jesus Christ, the divine character of Christ, that therefore is imputed to us. And if you look at, compare this with 2 Corinthians, then we look at chapter 4 and verse 6. This is what we are told. I quote, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. End of quote. Now let's just see what the scripture is telling us. In other words, we are being told the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. But we are being told God who commanded light to sh shine out of darkness, he shined in our hearts. How? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in the face of Jesus Christ, the face of Jesus Christ is used as his identity. Because when you see a person's face, you know who they are. So the face of Jesus Christ is his is, is identity. The knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, which is the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the identity of Christ. So the identity of Christ, which is his divine character, gives us a knowledge of the glory of God. Yes, my dear people. So we gain a knowledge of God when we gain a knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. Because the knowledge of God is revealed to us in the knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. And so <clears throat> we are seeing here that God gives us this knowledge according to the scripture we just um, read here. So when the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the knowledge of God that is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. It is the knowledge of God that is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. And now, this is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. This is why we are told that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Let, let us see which is the same faith of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 17, this is what we are told. That Christ may dwell in your hearts 
through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here we see how does Christ dwell in our heart? Through the faith of Jesus Christ. So the faith of Jesus Christ dwelling in us literally is Christ dwelling in us. Yes, my dear people. And so when God gives this knowledge to us, he gives this faith to us. Yes, my dear people. If we look at Second John verse 9, this is what we are told. It says this, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. What does this mean? It means the doctrine of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is the revealed truth of the plan of salvation, which is the divine character of Christ. This has the knowledge of God in it, and this is what is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. So when God imputes the knowledge of Christ to us or the revealed truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, he is in fact imputing the divine character of Christ to us. Yes, my dear people. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We will look at verse 17 to verse 21. Why? Because this will show us that imputed in the Bible doesn't mean an as-if imputation, which is paganism, or which is what evangelicals and other religions teach. The, the, the imputation in the Bible is called creative imputation. It is an imputation that creates something because it is God creating something or giving something in us. So when God imputes faith, the faith of Jesus Christ to us for righteousness, God creates the faith of Jesus Christ into us for righteousness through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. Now, many religions teach imputation as an as-if imputation, meaning God imputes something to you, but you don't have it. Like, for instance, evangelicals will tell us that God imputes the works, the righteous works of Christ to us, but it is in books in heaven. So, in other words, it is credited to us. It is as if we have it, but we don't really actually have it. That's not the use of the word imputation in the Bible. Let's see how imputation is used in the Bible that we will know when God imputes the character of Christ to us, what that imputation means. In Romans chapter 4, 17 to 21, this is what we are told. Pay careful attention. It told. As we are told, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were notice we are told he quickened the dead in other words he gives life to the dead and called those things which be not as though they were so here the thing is not this, this, this way and he calls it as if it is so and this is quickening the dead let's see it tells us furthermore who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall I see be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God. Now here comes the path. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So in other words, Abraham didn't consider that he was so old. 
he didn't consider that it, that Cyrus womb was dead he just um, had in his mind what God said he would do he was able to perform it yes my dear people so if God said that Sarah was going to have a child this means to say God was able to perform it was able to make her womb alive and so this is why we are being told here that when God quickened the dead he counted those things which were not as though they were so in other words Sarah's womb was dead but God counted that womb as alive when it wasn't alive and that was quickening the dead in other words that was making it alive so God was able to perform that which he had promised make the woman's womb come alive that she can have Isaac which was promised to her and this is the way the Bible describes imputation in Romans 4 Romans 4 let's read it all over again 17 to 21 this is what we are told I quote as it is written I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God who quickened the dead and call it those things which be not as though they were so Cyrus was dead and God called it alive even though it wasn't alive and what happened he quickened the dead he made it become alive and then we are told that in verse 20 in verse 21 he and being fully persuaded that what he God had promised he was able to perform so God had promised that that Sarah would have a child and he was able to perform it how did he perform it he made her womb come alive that she could have gotten pregnant by Abraham and so what we are being told here is that the kind of imputation that God did there is not just count Sarah's womb alive but created that womb alive he made the dead alive he was able to perform that which he said he was going to do and so imputation is creative imputation not an as if imputation he didn't come as if her womb was alive and yet it is not alive but it is a creative imputation when he counts it as if as if it is alive it is made alive yes my dear people so that she could have made the child and so when God imputes the divine character of Christ to us thus when God imputes this divine character of Christ to the repentant it is God given by esteeming the divine character the plan of salvation to the person that he now has Christ dwelling within him yes my dear people so that when God imputes the divine character of Christ to you he literally gives you or creates in you the divine character of Christ yes my dear people so that you have the divine character of Christ in you in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 and verse 7 this is what we are told again God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined where in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus which we showed as the identity of Jesus but we have this treasure in earthen vessels which is our bodies that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us end of quote did you see that my dear brethren so we have that very treasure the character of Christ 
that knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus, which is the identity of Jesus, in us, in our earthen clay, clay bodies, that the excellency and the power and the glory may be of God and not of us. Yes, my dear people, in, Col in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, comparing scriptures, this is what we are told. I quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. End of quote. Did you see that? So we may be speaking psalms or hymns and spiritual songs or preaching to one another, but it is the word of Christ that must dwell in us. That word of Christ is the truth of Jesus Christ that is imputed to us or given to us by God counting it to us. It is created in us. It is the character of Christ in us. Yes, my dear people. So whereas the scripture tells us we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ, Let's see where we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Ephesians 2.12, I quote, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the citizenship of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is how he was. We are, this is how he was. Now when we have the spirit of truth and Christ, now we have the spirit of truth and Christ dwelling in us. The Spirit is truth, and Christ dwells in us by the Spirit, brethren. Thus it is the truth of Christ, his divine character, that dwells in us. Yes, my dear people, if we look at First John, um, uh, uh, John chapter 5 and verse 6, here we are told again, it says this, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So here we see that the Spirit is truth. Now when we turn to Romans chapter 8, and we look at verse 9, verses 9 to 11, we will see that this Spirit of truth is the Spirit of Christ, and it dwells in us. So that Christ dwells in us through the Spirit of truth. And that Christ dwelling in us is not the body of Christ, not the works of Christ 2,000 years ago. It is the divine character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, Christ's character. So to preach Christ is to preach the truths of Christ. Yes, my dear people, let's see Christ dwelling in us. Romans chapter 8, 9 to 11, I quote, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Notice it is called the Spirit of God. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we see the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. It says here, and if Christ be in you, so we see the Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. End of quote. So the bottom line is, my dear people, that the truths of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is his identity, is the same spirit of truth or the spirit of Christ. And this is imputed or given to us through the Holy Spirit being given to dwell in us so that we actually have the character of Christ, the truth of Christ, dwelling in us. 
through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. And so the character of Christ is imputed to us to dwell in us. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices, my dear people. Let me repeat. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices against sin and a moral choice in favor of the claims of God. This is how we keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. So in other words, with the divine character of Christ in us, we can now make moral choices to obey the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, here is what we are told. It says this, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he, Christ, in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he had given us. End of quote. So he gives us his Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit, or the character of Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We are now able to keep the character of Christ in us, and we are now able to keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. We also look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. We are told, No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. And so, end of quote, and so God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And we know that he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, my dear people, because the spirit of truth dwells in us, the spirit of truth, the truths of the plan of salvation. So, in other words, call us at 6250446, 6250446, and we will give you further information. But in the, in, in the conclusion of this study, what do we see? We see that... The character of Christ is the faith of Jesus Christ. It is the revealed truth of Christ, the plan of salvation. This character of Christ, the divine character of Christ, dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. It is imputed to us when we repent and believe the gospel. When we repent and believe the gospel or the truths of Jesus Christ, God counts or imputes or esteems in a creative imputation this divine character in us through the Holy Spirit. And now we have this divine character in us. We're able to fulfill the commandments of God or keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people, this is how God wants us to do it. We must never forget this. So, the bottom line is, to be a Christian, you've got to have the character of Christ in you. This is how the character of Christ comes to dwell in us. This is the mystery of salvation. This is what was hid from the foundation of the world. And this is what God wants. He wants the character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, to dwell in us. This literally is fulfilled now as Christians. And so God wants us to have the plan of salvation, the divine character of Christ dwelling in us. So, in, in closing, what do we say? We say this, my dear people. There are a lot of religions out there that claim that they're following God and they're righteous and all these sort of things. You've got to understand the mysteries of salvation. You've got to understand the plan of salvation. This, what we have studied, may be a bit difficult for you to understand. But if you take time and study your Bible, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and show you them. 
and you will know the truthfulness of what we are saying. In all these religions that claim to be following the truth, if they don't have the truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, then, my dear people, they do not have God. And if they do not have God, they do not have salvation. What does that say for a Muslim? What does that say for a Hindu? What does that say for a Buddhist? What does that say for a Catholic? It says that they need to really go back to the Bible and get to know the real truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, that the character of Christ may be imputed to them, that they may be saved, having that divine character dwelling in them and determining their obedience to the law of God. May God add his mercy to you. Until we meet again, call us at 6250446 for further information. And may God bless you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' holy name, amen. The judgment has set, the books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall weigh how shall we stand in that great day how shall we stand in that great day shall we be found before him wanting or with our sins all washed away. We have to struggle over the years to get Jesus' character, to develop Jesus' div character. But the point is, my dear brethren, Jesus' character is divine. The human person had the divine character in him. And you don't struggle to get the divine character. Which human being, by struggling, can get the divine character? It's impossible. So we are showing you that the divine character of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. This is what we are showing you. Now let's just take a recap of what we spoke about last week. In other words, we show that we are saved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We also show that no scripture shows that the works that Jesus did 2,000 years ago is imputed to us for righteousness. No scripture shows that in the Bible. But scripture does show that faith is imputed unto us for righteousness or for the possession of righteousness. And then when we ask ourselves the question, what was faith? We saw that it was not believing, but that we must believe the faith of Jesus Christ so that we believe faith. Faith, therefore, is not believing but it is the revealed truths of the word of God. We found that out. The revealed truths of Jesus Christ, that is faith. That's why we found out that it is called the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. We also found out that that faith of Jesus Christ was identified by him as his personal character or his personal identity. When he said, I am the way, the truth, the same revealed truths of Jesus Christ. And we found out that that same truth of Jesus Christ is called the spirit of truth. Therefore, the spirit of truth literally is the divine truth of Jesus' character. Yes, my dear people. So the third person, the Holy Spirit, comes as the divine truth of the, the plan of salvation or divine faith, called the spirit of faith in Corinthians, or 
it is the divine character of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people, since the character, since the, the, the faith of Jesus Christ is, or the truth of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is divine, then therefore, these truths of the, the character of Christ is the divine truths of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So we are dealing with the divine character of Christ. This is what we touched yesterday. Now, this is what we touched the other day. Now, proof that the plan of salvation, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, being Christ's personal, is, is Christ's personal character, is seen in that Jesus takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation, the resurrection and the life, and identifies himself with them. Let me repeat again. Another proof of the plan of salvation, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, being Christ's personal character, is seen in that he takes two items from the truths of the plan of salvation, the resurrection, and the life, and identifies himself with it. Let's see Jesus doing that in John chapter 11, in verse 25, I quote, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. End of quote. Now how can we interpret this? Did Jesus say, I have the power to give resurrection? I have the power to give life? No. He was identifying himself who he was. He says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the resurrection. What Jesus is saying here, he's identifying himself with these truths of the plan of salvation. This clearly shows that his, his identity, his identity is the truth of the plan of salvation. These truths, the revealed truths of the plan of salvation is what you call the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, my dear people. So the faith of Jesus Christ is none other than the divine truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation. Thus, my dear people, when we are told that the faith of Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the divine character of Christ that is imputed to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 5, and verse 9 again. It tells us, I quote, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse, verse 9. Commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness, or into the possession of righteousness. And the word reckoned there is counted or imputed. Same Greek word. So we see here this faith that is imputed unto us for righteousness. This is called the faith of Jesus Christ. In Romans 3.22, this is what we are told. Even the righteousness of God, which is but true faith of Jesus Christ into all and upon all them that believe, because there is no difference. So we see it is the faith of Jesus Christ, the divine character of Christ, that therefore is imputed to us. And if you look at, compare this with 2 Corinthians, then we look at chapter 4 and verse 6. This is what we are told. I quote, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine out of darkness, 
had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. End of quote. Now let's just see what the scripture is telling us. In other words, we are being told the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us. But we are being told God who commanded light to sh shine out of darkness, he shined in our hearts. How? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in the face of Jesus Christ, the face of Jesus Christ is used as his identity. Because when you see a person's face, you know who they are. So the face of Jesus Christ is, is, is his identity. The knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, which is the knowledge of the glory of God is seen in the identity of Christ. So the identity of Christ, which is his divine character, gives us a knowledge of the glory of God. Yes, my dear people. So we gain a knowledge of God when we gain a knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. Because the knowledge of God is revealed to us in the knowledge of Christ. Yes, my dear people. And so <clears throat> we are seeing here that God gives us this knowledge according to the scripture we just um, read here. So when the faith of Jesus Christ is imputed to us, it is in fact the knowledge of God that is imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. It is the knowledge of God that is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. And now, this is why we are told that Christ dwells in our half by faith. This is why we are told that Christ dwells in our half by faith. Let, let us see which is the same faith of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 17, this is what we are told. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So here we see, how does Christ dwell in our hearts? Through the faith of Jesus Christ. So the faith of Jesus Christ dwelling in us literally is Christ dwelling in us. Yes, my dear people. And so, when God gives this knowledge to us, he gives this faith to us. Yes, my dear people. If we look at Second John verse 9, this is what we are told. It says this, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. What does this mean? It means the doctrine of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is the revealed truth of the plan of salvation, which is the divine character of Christ. This has the knowledge of God in it, and this is what is given to us or imputed to us. Yes, my dear people. So when God imputes the knowledge of Christ to us or the revealed truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, he is in fact imputing the divine character of Christ to us. Yes, my dear people. Now let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We will look at verse 17 to verse 21. Why? Because this will show us that imputed in the Bible doesn't mean an as-if imputation, which is paganism, or which is what evangelicals and other religions teach. The, the, the imputation in the Bible is called creative imputation. It is an imputation that creates something because it is God creating something or giving something in us. So when God imputes faith, the faith of Jesus Christ to us for righteousness, God creates the faith of Jesus Christ into us for righteousness through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. Now, many religions teach imputation as an as-if imputation, meaning God imputes something to you 
but you don't have it. Like, for instance, evangelicals will tell us that God imputes the works, the righteous works of Christ to us, but it is in books in heaven. So, in other words, it is credited to us. It is as if we have it, but we don't really actually have it. That's not the use of the word imputation in the Bible. Let's see how imputation is used in the Bible that we will know when God imputes the character of Christ was what that imputation means. In Romans chapter 4, 17 to 21, this is what we are told. Pay careful attention, it told. As we are told, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. Notice we are told he quickened the dead. In other words, he gives life to the dead and call it those things which be not as though they were. So here the thing is not this, this, this way and he calls it as if it is so. And this is quickening the dead. Let's see. It tells us furthermore. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall I see be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now here comes the part. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness so in other words Abraham didn't consider that he was so old he didn't consider that, it, that Sarah's womb was dead he just um, had in his mind what God said he would do he was able to perform it yes my dear people so if God said that Sarah was going to have a child this means to say God was able to perform it. He was able to make her womb alive. And so, this is why we are being told here that when God quickened the dead, he counted those things which were not as though they were. So, in other words, Sarah's womb was dead. But God counted that womb as alive when it wasn't alive. And that was quickening the dead. In other words, that was making it alive. So God was able to perform that which he had promised. Make the woman's womb come alive that she can have Isaac, which was promised to her. And this is the way the Bible describes imputation in Romans 4. Romans 4, let's read it all over again, 17 to 21. This is what we are told, I quote, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. So Isaiah's womb was dead and God called it alive even though it wasn't alive. And what happened? He quickened the dead, he made it become alive. And then we are told that in verse 20, in verse 21, he, and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able to perform. So God had promised that, that Sarah would have a child, and he was able to perform it. How did he perform it? He made her womb come alive that she could have gotten pregnated by Abraham. And so what we are being told here 
is that the kind of imputation that God did there is not just count Sarah's womb alive, but created that womb alive. He made the dead alive. He was able to perform that which he said he was going to do. And so, imputation is creative imputation, not an as-if imputation. He didn't come as if her womb was alive, and yet it is not alive. But it is a creative imputation. When he counts it as if, as if it is alive, it is made alive. Yes, my dear people. So that she could have made the child. And so when God imputes the divine character of Christ to us, thus when God imputes this divine character of Christ to the repentant, it is God given by esteeming the divine character, the plan of salvation to the person that he now has Christ dwelling within him. Yes, my dear people. So that when God imputes the divine character of Christ to you, he literally gives you or creates in you the divine character of Christ. Yes, my dear people. So that you have the divine character of Christ in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7, this is what we are told again. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, which we showed as the identity of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which is our bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. End of quote. Did you see that, my dear brethren? So we have that very treasure, the character of Christ, that knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Jesus, which is the identity of Jesus, in us, in our earthen clay, clay bodies, that the excellency and the power and the glory may be of God and not of us. Yes, my dear people. In, Col in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, comparing scriptures, this is what we are told. I quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. End of quote. Did you see that? So we may be speaking psalms or hymns and spiritual songs or preaching to one another, but it is the word of Christ that must dwell in us. That word of Christ is the truth of Jesus Christ that is imputed to us or given to us by God counting it to us. It is created in us. It is the character of Christ in us. Yes, my dear people. So whereas the scripture tells us we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Let's see where we were devoid of God and devoid of Christ. Ephesians 2.12, I quote, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the citizenship of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is how he was, whereas this is how he was. Now when we have the spirit of truth and Christ, now we have the spirit of truth and Christ dwelling in us. The spirit is truth and Christ dwells in us by the spirit, brethren. Thus it is the truth of Christ, his divine character that dwells in us. Yes, my dear people. If we look at First John, um, uh, uh, John chapter 5 and verse 6, yeah, we are told again, it says this, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water 
only but by water and blood and it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth so here we see that the spirit is truth now when we turn to Romans chapter 8 and we look at verse 9 verses 9 to 11 we will see that this spirit of truth is the spirit of Christ and it dwells in us so that Christ dwells in us through the spirit of truth and that Christ dwelling in us is not the body of Christ, not the works of Christ 2,000 years ago. It is the divine character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, Christ's character. So to preach Christ is to preach the truths of Christ. Yes, my dear people, let's see Christ dwelling in us. Romans chapter 8, 9 to 11. I quote, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Notice it is called the spirit of God. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we see the spirit of God is the spirit of Christ. It says here, and if Christ be in you, so we see the Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. End of quote. So the bottom line is, my dear people, that the truths of Christ, which is the faith of Jesus Christ, which is his identity, is the same spirit of truth or the spirit of Christ. And this is imputed or given to us through the Holy Spirit being given to dwell in us so that we actually have the character of Christ, the truth of Christ dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit. Yes, my dear people. And so the character of Christ is imputed to us to dwell in us. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices, my dear people. Let me repeat. This inner transformation must determine our moral choices against sin and a moral choice in favor of the claims of God. This is how we keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. So in other words, with the divine character of Christ in us, we can now make moral choices to obey the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, here is what we are told. It says this, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he, Christ, in him. And hereby we know that he abided in us by the spirit which he had given us. End of quote. So he gives us his Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in us through his Holy Spirit, or the character of Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We are now able to keep the character of Christ in us, and we are now able to keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people. We also look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. We are told, No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. And so, end of quote, and so God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And we know that he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, my dear people, because the spirit of truth dwells in us, the spirit of truth, the truths of the plan of salvation. So, in other words, 
Call us at 625-0446. 625-0446, and we will give you further information. But in the, in, in the conclusion of this study, what do we see? We see that the character of Christ is the faith of Jesus Christ. It is the revealed truths of Christ, the plan of salvation. This character of Christ, the divine character of Christ, dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. It is imputed to us when we repent and believe the gospel. When we repent and believe the gospel or the truths of Jesus Christ, God counts or imputes or esteems in a creative imputation this divine character in us through the Holy Spirit. And now we have this divine character in us. We're able to fulfill the commandments of God or keep the commandments of God. Yes, my dear people, this is how God wants us to do it. We must never forget this. So, the bottom line is, to be a Christian, you've got to have the character of Christ in you. This is how the character of Christ comes to dwell in us. This is the mystery of salvation. This is what was hid from the foundation of the world. And this is what God wants. He wants the character of Christ, the truths of the plan of salvation, to dwell in us. This literally is fulfilled now as Christians. And so God wants us to have the plan of salvation, the divine character of Christ dwelling in us. So, in, in closing, what do we say? We say this, my dear people. There are a lot of religions out there that claim that they're following God and they're righteous and all these sort of things. You've got to understand the mysteries of salvation. You've got to understand the plan of salvation. This, what we have studied, may be a bit difficult for you to understand. But if you take time and study a Bible, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth and show you them. And you will know the truthfulness of what we are saying. In all these religions that claim to be following the truth, if they don't have the truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, then, my dear people, they do not have God. And if they do not have God, they do not have salvation. What does that say for a Muslim? What does that say for a Hindu? What does that say for a Buddhist? What does that say for a Catholic? It says that they need to really go back to the Bible and get to know the real truths of Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, that the character of Christ may be imputed to them, that they may be saved, having that divine character dwelling in them and determining their obedience to the law of God. May God add his mercy to you. Until we meet again, call us at 6250446 for further information. And may God bless you. Until we meet again, in Jesus' holy name, amen. The judgment has set. The books have been opened. How shall we stand in that great day when every thought and word and action God the righteous judge shall weigh how shall we stand in that great day how shall we stand